0: learning excellence at a young age, you know, what it takes, uh, it, it, does, it does take some. In fact, I want to just start uh, this morning, I've got quotes uh, throughout this message, so I want to kind of jump in uh, with some quotes. Uh, the first couple quotes are, uh, i got some information from Miles, Miles Monroe. He is a spirit-filled uh, preacher-teacher who's really good in leadership, planning, uh, things like the excellent spirit, etc., And so the first quote goes like this. Excellence is not a gift. It is not an accident. It must be developed. So you see, there's a choice that you must make about whether you're going to pursue this excellence. And that choice is excellence or mediocrity. That's your choice. You have two directions to go in there. And the difference... In the next quote, the difference between excellence and mediocrity is commitment. And I don't know how many uh, 11-year-olds like to run, <laughs> but that takes commitment. And I, I, I did wrestling in high school. That was an intense sport. did tennis in, in, in high school. That wasn't as intense of a sport. Uh, but the cross-country team was a team that I really admired is they really pushed their bodies uh, over and over again. And, um, uh, and, and again, I was a wrestler. They pushed their bodies in wrestling practice, let me tell you. Uh, but to have an 11-year-old being committed to long-distance running in that training means that she's committed. She's committed to the costs and sacrifices and hard work that it takes to persevere. So here's another quote, that a choice that we get to make either the pain of discipline or the pain of regret, because that's what happens if we choose not to be committed, if we choose mediocrity, you will end up in life with some kind of regret looking back at missed opportunities that were there if you had gone and chose that discipline, even though it can be painful at times and be a sacrifice. Here's another quote to wrap this series of quotes. The price of discipline is always less than the cost of regret. Self-discipline is always the biggest investment for success in life. And so there really is a choice that we make to pursue an excellent spirit. And I want us to see in the life of Daniel today that this was true of the life of Daniel. Let us pray. Father, as we get into your word and also in the principles uh, that we're gleaning from your word, we pray, Lord God, your heart uh, will guide us that we, we will not stay the same and we will grow uh, in having an excellent spirit in Jesus' name. So in Daniel chapter 1, what's happened is uh, Babylon has come and invaded Jerusalem and that's King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon. They've overtaken and conquered Israel and Jerusalem. They've taken uh, slaves with them uh, back to the land and and left some and killed some and took some with them. And they purposely chose uh, certain young men to be trained to be in the royal palace as advisors to the king. And that was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, are listed in the story. There was more than that, but that's ones that we hear about and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their names were changed to Hananiah, Mishael, and uh, Azarel. And they were offered the fancy foods of Nebuchadnezzar and the palace food, all this fancy uh, kind of foods. But many of them were not allowed for the Hebrews to eat to honor God. And so they came to their official and said, uh, hey, listen, we don't want to go this route. We have convictions about what we should and should not need to honor God. So we're gonna ask you just to give us water and vegetables, that's all. And the official was really nervous about this. He could get in trouble. He could get killed, you know, if he did something, you know, disobedient to beat it to his orders. And so he was nervous about this. He said, well listen, just do it for ten days. Let us do it for ten days. And let's see if there's a difference. God gave him favor with this official. God gave him favor and what we're going to see here in Daniel chapter 1 verse 18 is what were the results of the choice that they made here, this sacrifice to be different. Verse 18, then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and out of them all, out of, all of them, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And so what we have is that Daniel and his friends are entering into the royal palace as the king's advisors. And this was uh, a group of people uh, that in Babylon and this part of the Middle East called the Chaldeans, where they were specially trained and chosen to be advisors to the king. That's where the Magi in our story of Jesus, the baby Jesus, the wise men, came from this uh, group and this sect of of people. And so it's widely um, believed by scholars and and all that uh, the three wise men that came when Jesus uh, was born came from this lineage here of Daniel and his uh, the same people that he was uh, training and he was leading there. And so I just want to do a quick review of his life because this choice that he made to pursue excellence was a choice that he, he hap- began when he was a young man. He made that will and make the sacrifice be different. And so what happened in the next year is King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that disturbed him so much. He said, listen, I have this dream. All you advisors, you need to tell me what the dream is and then also interpret it. If you can't do that, I'm going to kill you. Well, none of them could do it. And so they started killing these advisors. They got they were going to go after Daniel and his three buddies. And Daniel said, stop. Give me you know, a little time and I will interpret the dream for the king. And the next day he did it. God gave him... The dream and the interpretation, and Nebuchadnezzar exalted Daniel's God that day. Well, Nebuchadnezzar was an up and down, kind of like some of the politics in our nation. And it was up and down Nebuchadnezzar. And so uh, later on, what happened uh, in, in, in the next chapter, chapter 3, is uh, Nebuchadnezzar established a golden statue, uh, an image to be worshipped. And if he didn't worship, this statue, you're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace and just be killed instantly, instantly like that. Daniel was out of town or something on a trip because he was not involved in the story. Uh, his three friends, Sharak Meshach, and Abednego were there. They didn't bow. The king threw them in the fiery furnace. There was a fourth man in the fire. The Lord came and delivered them from that trial. They said, even if you don't O king, we will not bow before your idol. And so sure enough, Nebuchadnezzar Now, for the second time, uh, went back and forth. He he exalted their God, uh, even even though he'd done it before. He fell away from that, and he exalted the Hebrews' God again. Chapter four, it goes into another dream. Daniel interpreted this one, and he was hesitant to tell him the interpretation because it was about his judgment. And he said, because of your pride, you're going to be brought down so low. You're going to eat grass like a beast. It did happen uh, not too much longer late uh, later. Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he was proudful, uh, proud and he ended up just just being destroyed to the point he was out eating grass. But he was restored later, just like the interpretation of the dream. And he exalted God, it seems, for the rest of his life after that. So then in chapter 5 comes his son, Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar, who's now the king. And he has gone just in another direction. He doesn't even know about Daniel. Then it's, it's, they say that Daniel could have been as old as 80 years by that time. And they're just parting it up, worshiping gods of gold and silver, and this huge hand comes up into the, the king's uh, party place and writes this script, these uh, uh, you know, statements, and nobody can interpret it except, oh, someone knows about Daniel. You yeah, have this guy. You need to bring him in here. And he did. And Daniel said, listen. He interpreted this. It was his judgment. They again recognized him as, God, uh, as, as honorable. Made Daniel uh, ruler up to, three, up to the third ruler in the nation. And then that night, that king was slain. And King Darius came into picture. And that's where we are at in Daniel chapter 6. A new king from the Medes called Darius. And he has rulers over his kingdom. Three governors. And then he has like 126, I think, what they call satraps underneath those governors. And this is what's going to happen in verse 3 with Daniel. Then this Daniel was distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. And what we find that his pattern, his direction in life, was like a compass. A compass pointing one way, it always points uh, perfect north, that this compass was pointing toward the spirit of excellence. And even as a young man, he said, we're going to do what's right. We're going to do what's best. We're We're going to be different. We're going to be distinguished from the others around us. And he stayed true to that and consistent his whole life. And it saved his life several times. In this story, we won't go into the Scriptures in details uh, about all of it. uh, But again, it was a life and death situation that this came in. And at 80 years old, he still had to make a choice for obedience to God. And it was known as a spirit of excellence. I have tried... And, and with the help of a few others to make a simple, I called it definition last week, of what an excellent spirit is. Just a few statements; they're easy to remember. So easy, I'm expecting you to remember them. And I've got some fill in the blanks right here for you to remember. Uh, and then those who take notes, uh, Carol League, uh, and then we'll be able to know the answer right off if she took notes. All right, so. Uh, so the first statement, and I'm using a different phrase today. I'm, I'm calling these three goals of the spirit of excellence. We will do our best with what we have. That's right. Uh, we don't have to compare ourselves to other. We Whatever resources and that we have, we're just going to do the best with where we have. And that pleases God. But we're going to be uh, at 100% with that. The second step is, uh, or goal is we will continually seek to, yeah, come on, improve. That's right. We will continually seek to improve. It's something that we want to do. We want uh, helpful feedback and suggestions. It's okay to start small. It's okay to start, uh, you know, as a beginner and, and struggling. But it's not okay to stay there. We are uh, we are a malleable clay. We are soft clay in the hands of a potter. So it's our very nature of, before our God to want to improve change, and, and and as we serve Him, do it better and better. That's just the nature of God in our hearts. So, with that, let's be encouraged by this quote, that excellence is the gradual result of always striving to do better. And that people honor even the small steps, even when you start as a beginner, people honor that and say, hey, this their heart is right look at them, work at it, and look at them improve. And God sees that, and that's a pleasure to Him. I just love what Aliyah is doing, just knock it out of the park. Let's see how God does it. But if she just keeps improving herself, who knows uh, in, in, you know where God will take her in this down the road. So number three has two blanks in it. Excellence begins with... Preparation. All right. Good job, Linda. And it uh, ends with... Woo! Come on! A-plus in the back row of the corner. Now, we, I haven't seen anyone use the word discipleship in a definition of excellence, all right? Um, and, but as we were pondering it and knowing where our vision is in 2023, that really it is incomplete. If all you do is do this great task or this great ministry by yourself and you're not actually training and actually showing and teaching others to join in in that ministry, then it really is incomplete. It's not being passed on and having lasting fruit into the next generation. So that's why we put the, uh, the word discipleship in there. But let's talk about preparation uh, because uh, it is in, it's a key word in here. Daniel was prepared mentally and spiritually from that early days. From those early days, that's what he did. He kept himself praying before God, focused on God, and he was ready for those often life and death situations. Someone that um, I always honored his uh, conviction about pre- preparation was Joel Lee, my father in law, founder of this church. He, and people told me that, and uh, and how they would describe his preaching and teaching as excellent, and that he had excellent spirit in um, in his preaching and teaching of God's Word. And uh, being on staff and so forth and part of the family, I saw the serious conviction of preparation that it took. So Fridays and Saturdays, you could not get a hold of Joe Lee. If you called him, he didn't pick up the phone. He had... Uh, not just a secretary assistant named Carol League. Uh, she was his gatekeeper. And she screened everything, particularly on those two days when he was preparing. Gatekeepers can be tough and mean. She was tough, but she wouldn't mean. But she would not let anything get to Joel that was not important for those couple of days. And she would just process it with him, you know, if he needed to. And, and then they would respond and so he was able to stay focused uh, because of her assistance like that. But that is why we enjoyed the depth of his Bible teaching, is because he had a serious conviction about preparation. And Aaliyah is learning that skill at a young age and that, that discipline. It takes discipline to receive those awards at, at uh, second place, it takes that preparation. Now, there are a lot of enemies against excellence. You know yourself, maybe you've already thought of those in this series. I want to mention myself that for me, the biggest enemies uh, of for, uh, against excellence for me would be inadequate preparation. That I allow the busyness of my life to get Focused on the urgent of the day instead of preparing for this more significant, important things down the week or farther down the road. And and often co- uh, connected to that is mental procrastination. Now, you know, I could have a, probably a pretty good off call if I uh, say that anybody needs to, you know, re- repent, ask God about procrastination. But it affects me in a way that I go, man, that's that's a challenge. That's hard. That's. What else needs to be done right now? Let me work on that right now. And I'll get to the other later. Or let me see, is there something else? And so it's a mental battle. And I want you to be praying for me because I want to be that one that even though it's harder, I want to get to it first. And uh, and, and, in particular, there's things that are more important. So when we develop our dream teams, when you're looking at um, uh, your work, in in what you're doing in the workplace or even in your family life, think about preparation. What do you need to do to be ready and to improve? Because God wants to work that in our dream teams. We don't want them to stay stagnant, stay the same. We want them always growing and learning. I introduced last week uh, four areas, four qualities that we were going to develop toward the spirit of excellence. So I want to jump into those again. Uh, Last week, uh, so those four areas are the spiritual, attitude, actions, and appearance. And these are the areas that make up the spirit of excellence. Last week, we talked about being submitted spiritually, that we're submitted to God, we're submitted in prayer, and submitted in humility. That means we're dedicating what we're doing to God it means that in prayer we're uh, turning these things over to Him, trusting in Him in prayer, and we want to have regular prayer and huddles. Hopefully, you're having regular prayer at work uh, for certain meetings, and may even be so bold to offer prayer to leaders and so forth. I, am, I do um, short term coaching and short term counseling kind of uh, work in the marketplace. One of them is a construction management firm called We're Constructors, owned by Christian Family. And they have a monthly company-wide prayer meeting, and I facilitate that company-wide. We put it out on the video calls. And they often, probably every day, have some kind of meeting where they open those meetings with prayer. So look at ways how in your work, though it's a secular place, how God may open doors for you to pray publicly or privately in your workplace. And you'll see that God will bless it. Um, the Being submitted in humility is that spiritual preparation of being, having a servant's heart. And that's preparation spiritually for the spirit of excellence. One of my favorite verses about all this is, is a verse out of Colossians chapter 3 that it talked about wives and husbands and fathers as parents. And then it goes into uh, servants and subservants and slaves and, and work. And it says this at the end of that passage, whatever you do in Colossians three twenty three, do your work heartily as for the Lord, rather for men. I'm going to especially say to you that I'm having a kind of a fresh uh, awakening myself with the priority of our families. Because I'm having that season of looking back now that my children are out of the home and I'm having uh, some empty nest time. Uh, my youngest is a junior in college and it's somehow made me reflect back as a father when they were young in the home. And I have some regret that I put a priority on quality time, but not so much on quantity time as a father. And so... This I wish I had had different priorities and then I wouldn't have this pain of regret but pursued that excellent spirit and that choice that's, uh, of, of extra self-discipline to open that door for more quantity time for my children. So I share that with you, moms and dads, is they, <laughs> this growing season goes fast and they will be out of your house before you know it. And then it's something you can't go back and do again, because my children live in all different states. And, and praise God, we do stay connected, and, and the Lord helps us with that. It's going well, but at the same time, I'm just giving that little personal warning to all parents in the room. I mentioned this quote last week, and I want to carry it farther, farther to start going toward the attitude of, that we're going to, be, going to be asking God to work on us. And that's this quote. Excellence is a way we honor God with our love and devotion. Perfectionism is earning our acceptance from God by our performance. And so there is a difference. And usually people can tell. Because I believe this spiritual preparation of being submitted to God, submitted in prayer and humility will wipe that Spirit of perfectionism away, because you're doing it unto God, and it'll be seen that this is to honor Him. Our motives are purified. But one of the biz- biggest objections I get from Christians when you mention the spirit of excellence is this: Well, does this mean that I have to, um, you know, enjoy working with that perfectionist at at my job who is? always just so hard on deadlines. They don't care about uh, us as a team. Uh, They just, they're slave drivers and all they care about is the result. And then they go get the glory from the head boss uh, and just leave us out of the situation. Is that what this whole excellent spirit thing is? And that, unfortunately, is a fairly common experience. That's not an excellent spirit that's a perfection spirit that is a self-centered performance spirit and unfortunately as people need value from their work to feel accepted from have value that can come out but our value comes from a deeper place it comes from the lord jesus christ god himself left heaven because he saw value in us while we were yet sinners and it doesn't matter how many sins and how big sins, all of us were the same. We were far from God. And He says, I am willing to die for you as you are. You don't have to get go cleaned up or improve yourself. Listen, I die for you as you are. Just come to me, receive uh, my, uh, let my um, Holy Spirit lead you to repentance. Let my kindness lead you to, to repentance. And I'm going to give you a righteousness. From the blood of my sacrifice. I give you righteousness. I give you value. I give you acceptance. I give it to you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to make it. This is the Gospel, folks. You do not get your worth from what you do or how you perform or at work. Those things are fun and enjoyable. Let's do them to God well to please Him. But that's not where our worth comes from. Our value comes from Jesus Christ. Can anybody say amen to that? And if you don't understand that, this is a great day to either ask God to transform you or to give your life to Jesus, if that's where you're at today, that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So what can happen is that in a perfectionistic spirit, the task is more important than those who are doing the task. The end goal is more important than the people on the team working together and and and, and and yes, we're all going to make mistakes individually individually or as a team as a whole. And those are opportunities to learn and grow, uh, not to just, you know, be discouraged and, and get you know frustrated and irritated and 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 scolded and and punished. Now listen, these are opportunities to coach someone and coach a team to improve and grow. And that's an excellent spirit. That's what an excellent spirit does. Let's go into that honorable attitude. Because when we honor God with the attitude and serving, we're going to honor people as well, right? It's not one or the other. It's both. We're going to honor God and honor people. Here are some uh, attitude traits to have an honorable attitude. Number one is hospitable. We on our dream team, we want to be hospitable. That is a high value in the Scriptures. In those cultures, hospitality was a high value. And it's it's welcoming. It's being friendly and kind. It's serving people. Uh, uh, it doesn't have to be just a guest. It can be a, even a friend or something. But we usually feel that ministry when it's a guest, someone we don't know very well. And I want to say, as I meet with uh, guests that come and, and, and visit and then they go through the growth track and we have some discussions before we get into the material, the number one most popular comment I get is that Living Waters is a friendly church. They are so nice. They are so welcoming. It, is a, uh, it really impacts you. And, and I want to say, good job, Living Waters family. Woo! Give yourself a hand. I'm proud of you. I love that. Keep that up. That's a heart of God. God is working that. And in our leadership meeting a few weeks ago, we said we need to bring that fellowship moment back into the sanctuary where we give hugs and handshakes. And that's why we brought that back. It just helps us express that hospitality that much more. Number two attitude is encouraging. It is a function of the body of Christ to encourage one another. Look at this scripture, Romans 15, 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So he's saying, listen, I had this uh, attitude of encouragement. Now you give it away. You have it too, and you encourage others. This has been a number of months ago. I'm going to say a good ten months ago. I was in a prayer meeting with Regina Caldwell. And uh, just one of the privileges because she, she has it here open to God at all times and shares what God gives her. And she said, you know, Stephen, I just want you to know that people who come on Sunday morning, they are hungry for hope and encouragement. They're looking for that. They're needing that. And I put that in my, in my Sunday morning reminder remind myself people are needing hope and encouragement when you come Sunday morning. We really don't know whether you're a believer or not, what happened during the week. and But God knows, and God wants to encourage you. Uh, attitude number three, to have an honorable attitude, is enthusiastic. Enthusiastic is having bigger passion. It's having eagerness with people. It's about being warm versus being indifferent and just nonchalant, but actually looking at, at them, coming toward them, engaging them. This is enthusiasm. And looking up the original Uh, uh, roots of the word enthusiastic comes from Latin meaning having a God within you. It's like a spiritual term. So that energy, that that passion, that eagerness, that warmth toward people is is like God is coming out of you, out of your heart, blessing that other person. That was good. That was good to you, wasn't it? Let's go to the next trade uh, trait attribute of excellence we want to get into, and that is consistent action. This is such a simple verse. I want to tell you it's so true, Second Timothy 2.2. Two, I've been in ministry, I just can't even remember it, like 35 years or something, 34 years 2 Timothy 2.2, this is so true. I've seen it over and over. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful or reliable or trustworthy men who will be able to teach others also. Oh, it's so tempting to see the gifts that somebody has and the background and the experience of their past and you just want to just load up on them and give them all kinds of, you know, ministry and leadership. And, and I want to tell you, that is not wise because you're trying to defy this Word of God right here of wisdom. That it's actually those who are just consistent. Those who are reliable. Those who are faithful in the little things. And then God will open and you'll want to give them more things. Now, they may need more training. Because maybe they don't have the experience. Maybe they don't have the gifts as someone else. They may need more training. But they're going to show up consistently and be that team member that you dreamed of. It is the first step of receiving responsibilities and leadership is if that's at work, folks. This is for life. This isn't just at church. You know that, right? This happens in life that when you serve in the small ways and are faithful, your boss is going to notice it and they're going to be glad to promote you because they need someone to be consistent. And then they'll say, hey, can you train others also? This is so interesting because Daniel in, in chapter 6 verse 10 when he is faced with this crisis in front of his life he just stayed consistent. So what was happening was is that those jealous other governors and satraps said, "Why is he getting promoted? We need to get him and remove him out of we need to just get rid of him." Somebody's you know, and so they came up with a rule that the king signed. that anyone who went to ask for, ask for anything like to a god instead of a king, because the king is like a god, to anyone else must be thrown in the lion's den. And they knew they had him. Because Daniel was consistent in prayer. It says, verse uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day praying, giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. So they knew the pattern, the consistency of his life, that he was going to put God first. He was going to pray and he was going to break that uh, new law. And sure enough, he was thrown in that that lion's den. And those lions' mouths were shut supernaturally by God. And then another king saw it again, saw this supernatural and worshipped and honored the, the king of Daniel again. Daniel was, had a compass set on the spirit of excellence. He was different than all the others, and God honored that. So here's a quote for you. Consistency is what transforms average into excellence. It can take some time. Don't worry about it. But just stay consistent. Let's look at action. We're going to look at several attributes of action. I'm going to try to keep moving here pretty quick here. Action number one is Strategic. We want to be, uh, uh, have our actions have some planning to it. We want it systemized. We want it to make sense and be uh, orderly so we can teach others and show others how to do this and even remember how we did it. Hey, shooting from the hip is, is okay when you have to do it. Sometimes you have to do it. God will help you and guide you. Don't worry about it. But our practice is to be strategic. Uh, let's go on to another one. Another consistent action is to be, have complete action. This action is one that is thorough, one that completes the task and perseveres through the obstacles that you face. This one is complete in communication and follow up. All right, let me go on a pet peeve real quick. All right, texting folks, okay, emailing folks. Email and texting is a great way to communicate. If you're on a texting a conversation or a thread with a dream team from the church. We expect you, need you to respond, okay? Don't dust us, uh, ghost us, go crickets on us, okay? Uh, you know, just say, hey, um, you know, I'm not sure. I'm going to have to look into my schedule. i might it take me a little while to get back to you. Boom, that's it. Now we know we did connect. Now we know you are alive. Now we know you're okay. And uh, you just got to check into some things. But please don't communicate through silence. That's not complete communication. That's not a spirit of excellence. Uh, that just, i tell you what the phrase is, and this is a jolly phrase, that silence breeds suspicion. You have no idea what's going on. And so when there's silence and you don't respond, and and then you start wondering, are they mad at me? Uh, you know, did I say something? Uh, Or they, uh, you know, have they walked away from the Lord? Have they? Your imagination just goes. You have nothing to work with. So silence breeds suspicion. So don't be silent. Just respond quickly. Let them know where you're at. You'll get back to them later, and then that completes the follow-up and communication process. I love these quotes from Miles Monroe. Excellent people make improvements, not excuses. Excellent people overcome challenges, not run from them. See, excellent people see challenges and they see them as opportunities, things that uh, they can overcome, and mediocre people complain about challenges. But our God is a creative God. The Holy Spirit knows all things. He's going to give you some creative options, some new way of thinking about it. Listen, folks, we need to be open to the younger generation because they're seeing things from a different point of view. They have some creativity we don't have. New people who come for the first time, they're seeing things that we don't see. We need to have open ears and welcome input to have different creative perspectives on challenges. All right, I'm moving fast. Consistent action number three is punctual. If you know me, you said, Stephen, I can't believe you put that up there because we know you deal with that. I believe, it's my theory, that families uh, have a gene and it's either an early gene or a late gene. In my family, i got the late gene. And I had to deal with that and struggle with that. Pray for me. I thank you guys that go... Yeah, well, my dad and the way we grew up, you know, we, if, if I was 59 minutes early, we were still late. We had to be 60 minutes early. Well, that's called the early gene, okay? Nobody can do that. That's something unique. That's that's what that is. But when you're not punctual, you're wasting somebody else's time and you just create an obstacle toward an excellent spirit that you have to overcome. So let's work on that together and help me. In fact, it's one of the... Uh, uh, I think one of the most popular quotes is from Aristotle regarding an excellent spirit. We are what we, we, what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit. I'm going not to deal with the last one, uh, uh, the appearance. I've got you know, s- several good points. I could go through them quickly, but I, I don't want to spend much time on that right now. Um, You know, there'll be another time, another day. I do want to say that uh, we have, many of you, and and we've had discussions about this, that in our parents, in our church facility, that the bathrooms are the most needed area. And so much so, a very generous family in the church, uh, not quite a year ago, but a number of months ago, gave $25,000. Toward bathroom renovations. What generosity. And a couple mentioned, I think there's some ladies in the church would like to see this happen. <laughs> and it's true, because I've heard you talk about it. Now, if you go in the men's bathroom, think about this. These bathrooms are the ones from uh, 1989, 33 years ago. And a Christian school was here, what, you know, 15 years or something. The guys' bathrooms are worse than the girls because there's dents all in the partitions in these guys' bathrooms. What did they do in there? Have, you know, boxing matches or something? And yes, they did. So it is overdue. And that'll be one of several areas that you'll be praying about to give toward. And we're getting prices and, and estimates on how many bathrooms will, do we need and with a great start of twenty-five thousand dollars, it's a great start. But I want you to know, bathrooms are the most expensive uh, room in the house, right? And that in the kitchen. So, so it's it's on a whole nother level of expense. So that'll be part of the information we'll give you is is uh, the estimates and costs of these things. All right, I'm going to close down uh, with a quick uh, review. Let's do it again. The three goals of The spirit of excellence is we will do our best with what we? Number two, let's do it. Uh, We will continually seek to. And number three is we will begin with and end with. All right. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to ask the altar ministry teams to go ahead and come down. Um, I'm going to, for the take home today, going to phrase it like this and ask the holy spirit if he hadn't already to reveal this to you is a little prayer number 1 lord what are the biggest enemies of excellence in my life and if you think if if you think that and go oh there's you know five 10 15. no 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 i'm not that's not, that's not what I want to talk about okay you know just ask the lord to show you one or two things that that yes these are enemies and just do the opposite of what that is. Yes, turn that over to the Lord. Ask God if you need to ask forgiveness or however you deal with that with the Lord. But then, you know, what is the opposite of that enemy? And say, God, give me grace to start, even though it's, it might be small or as a beginner, start in, those, in that area. Number two, uh, I want to encourage you, all parents or those whose children are out the home, Lord, help me start at home. You know, we have real need for this in our workplace. We're going to stick out because we have the righteousness of God on us. We do have a different attitude. And when you have a spirit of excellence at work, you're just going to stick out. It's going to be amazing what God can do in your field of work. And if you're throwing the lion's den, we'll be praying with you. You're going to live and survive that. And, and and go and promote it all over again. But let's make sure that we don't live with a regret about, oh, I you know, I left that season of life, I let that relationship with that person, that family member, to get away. Lord, let me have an honorable attitude for that person.